Well, as the song says, a woman wants her man right there beside her, and that's what we're talking about this weekend. And so we're thrilled about it. If you missed last weekend, what a great Father's Day. Wasn't that a great weekend? We're excited. Man, if you miss it, I want to challenge you to get online, download, or watch it, or podcast the message, how to be a a real bond servant of God. And so it's just critical that you get that. This is the second message in a three-part series we have never done before. We're calling it Man Up. And we have never done a series just basically uh, on men. And so today, our, again, our topic is what does women want? Now, what that tells you is on our creative team are women. Because I promise you, as I'm working on a series, what women want would not ever enter my mind because I don't have a clue what women actually want. Men, can you feel me? Are you with me, guys? Come on. You listen, you cowardly weasel. You don't have a clue. You're looking at your wife saying, oh, I know, baby. You're going to burn in hell for lying. I'm just going to tell you <laughs> right now. Well, so because of my cluelessness, I had to call in a pro. So, Michelle, come on and help us this weekend. Come on. Yeah, I had to bring somebody in that knew. It is amazing uh, Michelle is without a doubt my better half, the better half of us, and it is amazing all that Michelle does. I have always been grateful for her mom and dad that raised her up, did mission trips, prepared her for ministry, and, and now she oversees all of our worship at all of our campuses and just pastors and leads and, and does a, just a stupendous job. Uh, but to be honest with you, I'm not always sure what she wants much less all the other ladies. So Michelle, all these men at all of our campuses can't wait to know, what does a woman want? Do you really want to know? Do you really, really want to know? Because because it changes, doesn't it, ladies? I mean, it depends on what time of day it is or all kind of things could factor. But there's a lot of of things that could change what could possibly happen um, and what we want. But there are some things that stay the same. It's hard to hit. Hey, it's hard to hit a moving target, man. If they just pick a couple and stick with it, would it be easier, guys? I mean, so, where's the, right. where's the fun in that, right? Where's the fun in that? You know, there's, there's a, a clause I'm sure you've always heard, and it's a woman's prerogative change her mind. I think that God put that in our DNA, and that's the fine print, guys, that you probably just didn't read. And so, um, so it, it's what, what girls do, and you know that better than anybody. If you want to confuse a girl, take her to a cafeteria and tell her to pick one thing. And uh, so... Um, so it, it, I know that sometimes, guys, it, it does feel like it's a no-win situation. But when, little, when girls are little, <laughs> you'll be an illustration, honey, in front of all these people. I wouldn't do that. When girls are little, they have different thoughts about their wedding, their Prince Charming, and, and what's going to, you know, what, what it might be like. And so let's hear what some little girls have to say about their Prince Charming. My wedding will be like, it'll be, it'll be great and perfect, just like the ones that I used to go to. They'll have a blue and white cake with me and my husband dancing on top of it, and it'll be behind. 
behind us when we're giving each other rings and at my wedding I might um wear a sparkly wedding dress with sparkles all over it. A little sparkles all over it. And I might have I might wear a veil. My wedding is going to be beautiful. There'll be a flowers on the walls and um beautiful bridesmaids pink daisies pink and white dress and all the promises that i'm going to make to my press um husband are that i will wear his ring forever and i will love him forever i promise to take care of you forever and always be kind I promise you that I'll always look out for you and I'll also protect you like you protect us and I'll just pray for you and watch over you so much and I'll pray and pray and pray for you that you never get sick so that doesn't have to happen. My husband will be um, like my dad. Uh, my husband might be um, like, he might have brown eyes and brown hair or red like my daddy. My husband will be like, he'll have a good job for us and, and he'll be good and he'll play with the children and He'll just be awesome. My husband will be nice and kind and sweet, just like my dada. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing when we're little girls that our Prince Charming looks a lot like our dads. And uh, dad, that's, that's scary in, a, in and of itself. I know when Justin was helping me put these clips together from some of our Faith Promise little girls, that uh, he said, man, that is humbling. And I said, well, you've got a little girl that's gonna think the same thing about her daddy. So it's just what little girls do, isn't it? I know that I was a daddy's girl and um, uh, spoiled rotten. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it was a culture shock, you know, when I didn't think the, the, the sun rose and set on me. And uh, I actually had to do something in life. And so, um, so I know as a daddy's girl, um, you know, you formulate those opinions. But then as you, you get a little older and a little older in grade school and um, in, in, in middle school and high school, you start noticing what other little girls like. And um, the popular guys, the guys that are hot or cute or um, the athlete or the, you know, just whatever, whatever the focus of the popularity is at the time. And a lot of times, of course, media and different things play into that. But it, for me, it, it became a filter and I don't know any of you camera buffs. I see one of our camera girls on the front row taking pictures for us. And, um, you know, there's, there's a thing called a filter that you put on the end of a lens. And it alters, it alters the picture. It alters the color and everything else. Kind of like Instagram or some of the other things you, you put on the computer where you can alter the color of the picture to a sepia tone or black and white or something like that. But what you do is you put a filter on the image to alter it. And, and girls, a lot of times that's what we do. Students, I mean, I know that, that I did that. I had a certain filter that I thought that I, that's who I needed to marry or who the guy I wanted to date was. And, 
you know, I tried my best to play with Barbie dolls and dolls like all the other little girls in house and all that. And I just, that was not me. I would put my shoes on and go out and play football with the boys in, in the yard. That was just, or, or baseball or something like that. I was really into sports. And so that kind of filtered out the kind of guy I tended to date. And then I tended to date the, the bad boys, the ones that treated you like dirt and, that, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's just... I don't know, I was a redneck girl in East Tennessee, I guess, and um, so that began to filter, this, and I, I noticed something, I kept dating the same kind of people, and it's because that filter was on there. And then uh, one fateful day, um, when we were in college, we were at a retreat, and I was riding on the back of the motorcycle with Chris, and you were really cool if you got to ride on the back of one of the guy's motorcycles, and I was all about being cool. And so um, we were riding around through Cades Cove, and we began to talk about, you know, one day when we get married, what we might want in a spouse. And God altered that filter. And for just a moment, when you take a filter off a camera lens, it lets more light in, and he altered that filter. And, and the more Chris talked, I thought, Dear God, you're going to have me marry Chris Stevens. <laughs> he was nothing like the other guy, I'm right you know? Here. I'm and right. uh, yeah, blessed am I among women. It was the first verse he had me memorize when we got married. And um, so, all the blessings to follow after that. Second verse, by the way, was in Sarah called Abraham Lord. She yeah. never got that one. But I worked on it. I mean, I really tried. I, you know, I just. It wouldn't stick. I tried. I really did. So, um, so, and I'm sure he was thinking the same thing. Uh, dear God, Michelle Duncan, are you sure she's a pastor's wife material? You know, because I, back then I definitely wasn't. And, but, you know, God began to alter our course. And uh, the, the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 that many of you know became more real to me that day. And it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Because had God not altered my course, had he not taken the filter off, my life would be drastically, drastically different. And I wouldn't be near the place that I am today. Now, I believe God's sovereign, but, but I, you know, I just think of where I am today and what God has allowed me to do and, and just the places that he's allowed me to be and, and what my life would be like had, had I not let God alter my course and adjust my focus. And so, um, you know, just when you think about uh, the purpose and plans, I knew that God was preparing me to be by Chris's side in the ministry. And I didn't know that ahead of time, but, but I, looking back, I could see that. And last weekend, Chris painted a beautiful picture of what real men were. And um, one is, you're living what you're leaving. That was a powerful statement, wasn't it? Um, not just for men, but for us as, as women as well. And the other thing is re what real men were. Real men were or are, and that's they're not ashamed, they serve, they give, they're not afraid to cry. And just he, he just began to talk about what real men were. And, and, and women, it's so important to understand what a godly man is and what real men is. And that is that, that godly men put Jesus first in their life. And when I get up in the morning, and I'm not as early a riser, as riser as he is, and there's a, um, a door in our bedroom, and I can look through the blinds, and I can see my husband out there with his Bible open and his journal, and he, I know that he's interceding for me and, and our kids and this church, and it's so important, and it's so, um, 
I guess just really makes me secure to know that he is covering us and that he puts God first. You see, I, he told me when we got married that I was going to be number two and that, that God would always be number one. And, and spiritually and in my mind, I thought, yes, I mean, this is, I understand that. I get that. That's what I want you to be. But then sometimes it was difficult because decisions that he would have to make went against my opinion. You know, or decisions or responsibilities he had went against what I thought should happen. And, and you know, sometimes it would bother me. But then, I, I, you know, when you look back and you see how God moves through things, you understand that, that he put God first. And so, therefore, even, even if it made me mad or hurt my feelings, that God had to be first in all the decisions he made. And, and I watched... You know, Chris didn't have a great role model as, as a husband or a father growing up. Many of you have heard his, his testimony. But I watched God transform him over the years. Because, like I said, I was a daddy's girl. So I was used to certain accommodations and certain, uh, <laughs> certain treatment. You know, I was the princess. I was the, you know, I might have been a tomboy, but my daddy treated me like a princess. And so I was used to certain things. And, and um, Chris wasn't used to doing those things or noticing those things or <laughs> providing those things. The, the funniest thing was um, our first Easter um, I was so excited because my dad, every holiday, there was candy, flowers, there was something, you know. My dad, again, spoiled, spoiled me and my mom rotten. So first, first Easter, I tramped around to the, the refrigerator, opened the door, shut it, you know, because my dad always bought us one of those wrist corsages, you know, those orchids. I opened the door and went in there, <sighs> shut the door, and, you know, a little thing, and I probably pouted the whole way to church, and... Um, and all the way home, and Chris never even understood, I mean, never even got it, you know, but those were expectations, you know, that um, because of who my father was, but Chris, I watched Chris, you know, transform over the years, not to, yeah, not to buy me, not to buy me flowers every time, but to begin to understand how to love me and how to take care of me. And so let me share a verse of scripture with you, men, that is very, very scary when you think about it and very sobering. Um, if you'll look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, um, it's just a very powerful verse for men. And verse 6 is right there where Sarah called Abraham Lord. Y'all could cover that. It... <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. Okay. That's... Sorry, guys. I'm trying. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling for us here. So let's look at verse 7. It says, but you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Wow, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? And so um, I brought some props because I'm a creative. I have to have the visual things. And so when it talks about living with her in an understanding way as a weaker vessel, ladies, I want, I want to get a picture because a lot of you guys might take offense to the weaker vessel part. Okay, and when you look at these, these cups, they both function for the same purpose. They both hold a hot drink or a cold drink, and they both, um, they both may have different capacities, but have the ability to have the same capacity. So it's not the function that, that's the, the deal, because they both have the ability to be filled. The, the difference is the care that's taken. With an old coffee cup, you can just throw it in the back of the truck. It doesn't even have to be clean. A lot of times they just grab it out of the truck, put the coffee back in it, you know, and drink it. Not saying that you're not clean. Um, I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying different care is given. And, and, and ladies, you know, a teacup is more fragile, not necessarily weaker. It's, it's beautiful, and it was meant to be taken care of in a different way. You know, even the way you hold, a, hold those cups is different, right? You hold a, a, a mug like that, like this, and then you're very careful, and you can even put the little finger up if you want, but how you, how you hold that. And, and the same thing, that's just the difference in men and women. When, when a man hugs you, you feel safe and protected, don't you, girls? And, and then when a woman hugs you or holds you, it's more of that nurturing and, and loving. And so even, even the way we hold each other is different and how that whole um, illustration works. But trust me when I say it's not about being weaker. And ladies, sometimes, um, even as a single mom, maybe you feel like that, that old coffee mug because you've had to be stronger and tougher than, than you really were supposed to be. And um, maybe you don't feel like a fine china teacup, but let me tell you, regardless of your circumstance or situation, God sees you as this. And, and teenage girls, this is who you are. Don't let anybody tell you any sure. different. And so that bad boy that might be all cute and have muscles everywhere, if he treats you like that, punt him to the curb because this is who you are. That's right. This is who you are. <laughs> and that's how you should be treated. And you know what? It's not, just, it's not just student girls, but even, you know, um, singles that are later in life. You know, don't, don't be so um, set on finding somebody that you will settle for somebody that treats you like that. Because sure. God intended for us to be different and to be treated different. But getting back to the verse of Scripture, when you look at, let's just break that down just a little bit, and looking at the different parts of the verse in 1 Peter 3, 7. Um, first of all, treating them in an understanding way. In the Greek, the understanding means knowledge, deeper, more enlarged knowledge. So it's, it's not about um, the color of her eyes or her favorite, her favorite thing that she likes to do, her favorite song, although those things could help you men if, if you knew those kind of things. But understanding, way, understanding why she thinks like she does, why does she react like she does, beginning to, to look a little bit deeper than, than the emotional reaction that you might get sometimes. And then another word that is, that is used here is honor. And, and the Greek uh, part of that, the definition of that is to, to place value, to place a high value on something or someone. So honor, you know, it's, again, it's not about the function. It's about, it's about the care and the honor given. And so men and even teenage boys, you honor that, that, that girl that you have a relationship with and, and that woman that you have in a, a relationship. You honor them and you place them in that place in, in, in just a different place. And, and, uh, and then we're looking at another word called, um, another word that is hindered so that your prayers will not be hindered. What does hindered mean? Hindered means to impede one's course by being cut off. And so when you think about your prayers being impeded and the course being altered or cut off, just think about all those things that you're interceding and praying for, but because you haven't tried to understand, because you haven't given a place of honor, those, those prayers, go un, they go hindered. They, they, they begin to be impeded or cut off. And so that's, that's a scary thing. So these kind of things, they really matter to Jesus. Yep. How you treat your wife, guys, literally, <clears throat> can, he can hinder your prayers, have them cut off, 
But I, I want to tell you, for some of us this weekend at all of our campuses, this could save your marriage mm-hmm. before it's too late. If we would learn what the Word of God says. And First Peter, the, that whole paragraph that Michelle pulled a verse out of is all about how you, how you act in the home, not returning evil for evil, insult for insult, but returning good for evil, how you deal with each other. It matters to God how you act in the home. Ephesians 5 says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And Christ took the cross for us, and we are, should, we are to be willing to take a bullet for our wives. Now, if you're going to take a bullet for your wives, that means that you are your wife. That means that you are going to treat her with honor. Because if you would die for her, that means you value her. You don't got to die for someone that you don't love and value. Uh, that, and that, but that's the way that Jesus, that's the way he feels about us. That's why he died on the cross for us. So if I'm willing to give my life for her, right, men? Men? then I should be willing to learn her, to live with her in an understanding way. That's what the Word of God says. Not only that I love her, but she feels that I love her. Not only that I would take a bullet for it, but she believes that I would take a bullet for it. And so it's my job as as the husband, it is my job to create an atmosphere in our home for Michelle to blossom. That means I'm going to create an, an atmosphere around her that she is going to be safe, and she is going to be secure. When we first got married, because she dated dogs before she was highly blessed and favored among women to date me, but she was treated badly because she went after ladies, the bad boys, who treat women badly. And then when we got married, I was committed to her. I mean, listen, it did, I told her, if you leave me, I'm going with you. And so I was, it did not matter. When I said, tell death, do his part, that's what I meant. And so it was my job for not only to say it, but for her to feel it, feel it. So ladies, there are some things that you want from a man that are biblical, but let's be real. Because of our culture, there are some things that even Christian women are looking for for men that are not biblical. So Michelle's going to give us really the three roles biblically, just three sort of areas, men, that we are to serve under or in. Three roles as laid out by God. First of all, is being the priest of the home, the spiritual leader. In Ephesians 5.23, it talks about what the spiritual leader looks like, and that is, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Now, again, women don't get hung up on being the head and being over and all that. That's not what it's about. But the, the man was designed to be the spiritual leader and the covering for the home. And you know what that means? That means he's responsible to God. He's responsible to God for those decisions, good or bad. He's responsible to God for the children. And, and you know, when we have um, intense fellowship about de- uh, decisions about the children, or used to, about discipline or, some, or different things, you know, I, I knew that at the end of the day, my, my pe- first of all, God was first in his heart and life. And you know what, if he, made a, if he made a bad decision financially or regarding the kids or whatever, he was going to have to answer to God for that. And he was going to have to dig us out of whatever hole he might have put us in. But more often than not, I, you know, I was the one that was wrong. But if I wasn't willing to back up and let him be the priest in the covering, um, <laughs> he is setting himself up for, 
illustrations. Any that doesn't does that look like understanding why, ladies? I'm, I'm sorry. See, just I just wondering. It's a, um, I mean, it's a moving target. It's just so, sort of hard to. But as the priest of the home, again, he is responsible, and so I, you know, wanting him to be that, you know, I had to, I had to surrender that, and so don't get caught up on being head over. Last night, by the way, beautiful picture. A family got saved. Uh, the husband, the dad got baptized first and then turned around while he was still wet and baptized his wife and his daughter. That was so cool. We are, we are the lead spiritually. The second thing is, is it being a provider. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, let me read that for you. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so a lot of these, even in these little girls, says, my husband will have a good job and take care of his family. It was about taking care of, and, and that little girl trusted that because she'd seen it modeled in her dad that he was going to take care of her, her and her family. That's what she was looking for. Even as a little girl, somebody was going to take care of her family. And then the last thing is protector in Ephesians 5.25. talks about Jesus laying his life down for the church and protecting, protecting the bride, protecting, um, protecting just a beautiful pic- picture of what that looks like. And you know what? I know Chris more times than I can count has been the protector for me, sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally. There's all kind of ways that he has, he has stepped in front and taken the bullet for me. But what happens when you can't take the bullet? As soon as she said to the doctor, hey, you know, I, I've got this lump, uh, she got moved to the front of the line. And... Uh, I got the call while I was at work, and you know, nothing prepares you for that announcement. And you know, I'm, I'm in an open office environment. I can't yell, I can't pound my fist into the desk, I can't do anything. And so I walked out of the plant, and we've got a walking trail down behind the plant along the lake. And I stood and, and, and uh, I cried out, and I yelled for. <laughs> Five minutes of, God, come on, why? Why now? Why this? And I got quiet, and, and, and just a voice came to me and said, it's time for you to man up. You've had enough faith. You've had enough of the word. You know I will keep my promises. That's all that you have. You may not see where this is going. You may not see where it's going to end. But you have to put one foot in front of the other. And so from then on, you know, it was no more emotional, no more, you know, worrying and whining and fussing about it It was done. You know, I I had my 10 minutes of why God and there is no answer why. Uh, I'll never know why. It's not our our purpose to know why. Uh, We're not going to see whose lives are touched by our commitment to faith and belief in, in that God has a greater plan and a purpose uh, for us and, and, and that this situation is just temporary. Pray for these guys. They were in our last service at this campus, and so pray for them. That's just a picture of, of, of what God has designed and put in, in men. From what I've seen, if I could sum up, for the nature of the different natures between men and women. It's, it's, 
it's the man's nature to, to fix it, you know, to, to protect, to take care of it, but to fix it. And, you know, there's a lot of times when I, I'm ta- I want to talk to Chris and I'm, I'm mad or frustrated or, or even my feelings are hurt, and I'm talking to him about it, and he, he wants to fix it. And so he says, this is a teachable moment, and he begins to lay out three steps on how I can fix this problem, or I get a full-blown sermon, scripture and all. And, Come on, you know, man. Y'all feel me? Come on, man. We can fix he's it. He's trying to fix it. <laughs> you know, so now I have learned to say, honey, I don't want you to fix this right now. I just want you to listen to me because women, don't we want to be heard? You know, and we want that heartfelt, um, that, just that heartfelt, just try to, try to understand, have the understanding way of, of why this bothers me. I know you can't understand because you don't, you don't think with your emotions, and, and, but, you know, don't fix it for me. Yeah, actually, <laughs> just, she just says, listen. just shut up and don't preach a stinking sermon and sit there. And, I don't quite You know what I'm talking way, about? But, uh, well, she probably doesn't say shut up or stinking. But. Yeah. So... So, I, so, so, men, we, I understand your nature, and, and so, so do the women. We want you to fix it. We want you to protect us. But there's times we just want you to hear why we think that way first. You can't fix it until you understand, have that understanding way. Ladies, on the same hand, you know, our, our nature is to nurture. And so, men, I'm trying to give you some insight here. You know, it, that's, that's how God created us, to be nurturing. That's why when we hug you or we love you, it feels good, and, and you, feel, you feel loved, and you feel, it's a, just a different feeling. And, and, and when we nurture, when we're telling you to put your seatbelt on, or did you make sure some, some, some lady was telling me that, yo, our biggest fights are, did I look when I backed out of the driveway or not? You know, um, when I tell him to look when he backs out in the driveway. And so when we're doing that, I know it, it comes across as nagging, but it's, it's because that's our innate, you know, thing that God created us to do is to nurture. And I know sometimes it seems like we're overbearing and overprotective of the children and that trying to be that buffer. It's, it's, that, it's that nature that we have. And so understanding each other's nature will help us to be able to have a, a better and complete relationship and, and coming to uh, a better understanding and a more understanding way. And so let me just close with the, the last part of that scripture in verse Peter 3, starting in verse 8. To sum it all up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. Now, we live in a crazy world, don't we? And roles are reversed. Roles are confused. We, we don't know which, which way is going, which way's up. And, and this, is, this is not a politically correct statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. See, from the way I grew up, it, it, I don't think a woman should be on the front line fighting a war. So I think that's the man's job to take a bullet. Are, are you with me? And there are... There are a million things that women can do, and in in so many ways, they're better than men. They're sharper. They're faster. But when it comes to that, I just think we should value them and honor them. And in my life, the greatest thing God ever did was save me. And the second greatest thing that God ever did, the second greatest gift God gave me was Michelle. 
And she has walked with me even when I'm a Vulcan and I'm not loving and I'm not very sympathetic or empathetic or compassionate because I'm not. And, but, but trying to let the Spirit of God mold me and be better and understand her and more what she needs. And, and basically, guys, that's what the Lord did. He understood what we needed was to have our sins forgiven, and he took our place. He took our death. He took our sin. He took our shame, and he was nailed to the cross for it, and he died, and he rose from the grave so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Some of you have never given your heart to Jesus. You've never been born again. Across all of our campuses, almost 5,000 worshipers this weekend, some of you, and, and when we close this service out, there are going to be some pastors up front waiting on you to pray with you or take your communication card and fill that out and say, call me, I need to talk to someone about salvation, but don't leave until you fill a card out or come talk to someone. Man, let, let us help you. What I do want to do is, guys, this Man Up series is tough living. It's easy preaching, it's hard living. You know what I'm talking about? There are a lot of things you're easy to preach, and it's really hard to do. So I want to pray for you men again. Father, I pray for the men. Could be middle school, could be high school men, could be young adult men that are single, or single men, uh, or married men. Father, would you help us man up, that we surrender to the lordship and the headship and the kingship of Jesus, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we walk in that and, and under that anointing and that covering and we live it and we breathe it and our families are safe and secure because we walk and live as a warrior for God. So Father, I pray, grow the men at Faith Promise, Lord. Grow us in a radical supernatural way, God. You're growing the women and we're grateful for them, but God, this series is just zero dialed right in on us guys manning up and being the men that you've called us to be. So God, let your spirit anoint. Do Ephesians, do, do Ezekiel 37. Breathe on these bones and raise up an army. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So guys, give the Lord praise. Now, we're about to roll Faith Promise Television or campus pastors at every campus. Feel come up front. And there'll be, again, guys and gals to pray with you. Whatever you need, don't leave until you get prayed for or fill your communication card out. Put those in the offering boxes because we're about to roll Faith Promise TV. Hey, has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Give God praise. What a mighty God we serve.